Oh, we're glad you're here today as we've gathered to, to worship the King and to, to worship the one who loved us and has sought us out, and we are delighted that you're here. This is a special day in the life of our fellowship. We recognize and celebrate our, our senior adults, and it is so uh, good to be a part of a church that is multi-generational and uh, uh, to have crowded preschool halls and thriving uh, senior adult ministries, uh, men and women who have been long contributors to the kingdom and are still uh, powerfully contributing to the kingdom's agenda. And, and we just want to take a moment in the context of our services and welcome, and I kind of recognize, I guess is the better word, recognize them today. And I'm going to let you determine whether you fall into this category or not, all right? Uh, but if you are uh, one of our uh, senior adults and you're in this service now, I want you to just please stand with me right now, if you would. Stand. We want to recognize you. Go ahead and admit it. Everybody around you is thinking it anyway. So go ahead. That's right. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. We value uh, all the generations and their contribution to the kingdom, and it's just a celebration today. Part of the, the, uh, the celebration of this day is we have Dr. Joe Brown with us, and we're so excited. Joe's a great friend of uh, the First Baptist family, has ministered here uh, on and off the, throughout the years. Uh, we're so grateful to have him here. Many of you uh, know Joe, perhaps, from 25-plus years of ministry at the Hickory Grove Baptist Church, great uh, gospel preaching church uh, in the Charlotte area, uh, television broadcast. The fact is, uh, she may have talked to you out, uh, between services, Joe. There's a lady in our first service said she, she actually uh, uh, kind of came back to the Lord and came back to the church by watching Joe on television. And God has brought her here uh, to be a part of this fellowship now. And we're so uh, grateful for that. You can see some of uh, Joe's uh, bio information in the worship folder. He's been uh, a leader in our convention in North Carolina, but across uh, the, the nation as well. And God's used him all over the world uh, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I uh, know you're in for a treat after hearing him uh, break the word of God uh, this morning. So I would love to just have a prayer and that'll serve as our offertory prayer. And, and uh, our praise team's going to come back as that offertory is going. And then right after that, uh, Joe's going to come and bring uh, God's Word to us. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, how we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the chance to come to worship you, to, to celebrate uh, your goodness, your grace, your uh, amazing, unmerited favor and grace to us. Father, today we just come to worship you. We come to worship with our lips, with the attention of our mind, with the obedience of our hearts. We come to worship you even as we return to you, your tithes and your offerings and gratitude and worship. Father, just continue to receive this worship from our lips today. We just just pray your anointing upon your servant, Dr. Joe Brown, as he comes to break open your word. Quicken it to our hearts today. Father, do an eternity-changing work in lives today. Father, we come with gratitude and we come with expectation for these moments as we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Okay, I was supposed to be here a year ago. And there was something happened to me. I won't go into great detail because you don't want to hear, listen to my medical history. But there was something happened to me on the way down here that I, I just couldn't make it. 
And so as a result of that, I've been rescheduled. So this probably is a, de- a point of destiny for you and me. I don't know who you are, but you're here and I'm here and I can say something that not like no one else can say. And so this could be the first day for the rest of your life. Or it could be the last day of your life here. So you want to approach it like that? I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Let's all stand as we read the Word of God here today. Now this is a story about Jesus. Uh, I, I love Jesus. Okay? Do you love Jesus? Okay, I love Jesus. Uh, maybe, maybe we can just teach each other how to love Jesus here this morning. Is that all right? You know, every once in a while I, I have to be taught how to love somebody because I forget it. But uh, I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? You want to you just kind of step aside here today and just you and Jesus and tell him that you love him? You want to just do it out loud. Just say, I love, I love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to him. By the way, the tax collectors were the bad of the bad. Nobody liked the tax collectors. They were the collaborators for the Roman government. It was an occupying army. They did not like. It was the Romans who crucified Jesus, and it was the Romans who crucified a lot of Jews in that day and time. So the tax collectors were the epitome of the of the Roman government. And they were liars. They were cheats. They were scoundrels. They did not like people. They took advantage of the situation. They had power. It was just whatever you want to say about them, just go ahead and say it. it. They were the worst of the worst. But not only were the tax collectors, but sinners were coming near to listen to him. That's Jesus. Sinners. Now, who were the sinners? Those were the people that were apart from the kingdom of God. They could not pray. They did not have the right to go into the temple. They were not part of the, of the children of Israel. They were not of the community of God. So it's, it's a bunch of outcasts that nobody wanted anything to do with. You understand that? The sinners were people like you and me. We're not connected. We're not connected. You go, you go to City Hall in Charlotte. If you don't have an appointment, you're not going to get in. You go to City Hall in Fort Mill, you might not get in. I don't know. But they were people that were disconnected. Like you and like me. Verse 2, both the Pharisees and the scribes began to crumble. Now, the Pharisees were, were the conservatives. They were the fundamentalists, you might want to call them. They were the people who, who by the way, they, they were in church every Sunday. They uh, went to Sunday morning. They went Sunday night. They went during the week. They were involved in everything. Many of them knew the Bible by heart, and, uh, many, and all of them 
punctiliously. Okay? That means they did it to the letter. So these are the religious people. These are the connected people. And the scribes were the people who literally copied the Word of God. They handled the Word of God on a daily basis. And they didn't have, everybody didn't have a Bible then. So you can see, see the contrast here between the people. We have the people who, who supposedly were God's people, who were anointed, who were endowed. And then you had the people who were just from everywhere who were outcasts. And so the, both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. Now, I know you've never heard anybody grumble at First Baptist Church, Fort Mill. But that does happen in church. And I know you've never heard anybody grumble at your work. And I know you've never heard anybody grumble on the news, on television. And I know you've never heard anybody grumble because everybody you know are positive people and just love people and are all in, always encouraging. Right? Right? No, I might have been born yesterday, but I wasn't born last night. The scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Let me say something right now. Let me say something right now. It really doesn't matter what other people think about you. Quit trying to impress other people. You've already impressed God. You've impressed him so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you, and his Holy Spirit lives within you. So you're, God is impressed by you. Quit worrying about, well, they're prettier than I am, or they're richer than I am, and they're more endowed than I am. Don't, 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 don't fall into that trap, because if you are prettier than them, they will hate you. And if you do have more money in, than them, they will hate you. Quit trying to fit in to the culture around you. Be who God made you to be. Okay? I mean, if you don't hear anything else besides what I've tried, uh, what I've just told you, uh, then we've been a success today. So this man received sinners, they said, and eats with them. Now, when you ate with somebody back in that, that day and time, it wasn't going down to Burger King. It wasn't going over to, uh, to where, where? Cracker Barrel. Where do you all eat around here? You just didn't do that. You brought them into your home. You sat down. You had a long meal. You talked to each other. You, you fellowshiped with each other. That meant you identified with them. You had a long meal with them. Jesus had a long meal with them. He identified with them. Jesus identifies with you. Okay? Now, so he told them this parable saying, here it is. This is a story about you. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost till he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needs no repentance. May God bless his word. Now, uh, are we family today? We family. Okay. Then if we're family, I want you to join hands with the person right there beside of you. <clears throat> you say, well, I don't know them. Well, you say you're family. And get to know them, okay? 
get to know them. I guess you're going to have to come up here and hold my hand. I'm not going to be up here by myself. I can tell you what, I might be a stranger in these parts, but North Carolina is not that far from here. You know that? Let's pray with me. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're about to do in our lives. I pray, God, that you will speak and help me get out of the way so that these, your people, may hear your word and apply it to their lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. What's your name? Everybody knows my name. Well, I don't know your name. Todd. Todd. Okay. I'm not everybody. I'm not everybody. I just told you, Todd, I'm somebody, and you're somebody. So, okay, that's Todd. Now, Todd, you're going to help me out here today, right? Okay. All right. He was one of those people that is just supernaturally endowed. You know what I'm talking about. He's, he's, uh, he has a lot of charisma. He's uh, very capable. He, he has a lot of charm. He, he has uh, unusual ability to communicate. Now, now, you need to know that very young in his life, he decided to go into the ministry. And when he got to college, his uh, peers recognized his genius. And his professors knew that he was just gifted. A seminary produced more recognition, more degrees, advanced degrees, master degrees, PhDs, earned, plaudits. And upon graduation, he was so connected and so, so capable that, that he went to a large, prestigious church uh, in his denomination as the senior pastor. Now, now, that was highly, highly unusual for that day and time, but for someone that young to go to a church that was so established. He climbed the ladder of ministerial success. But at age 46, for some unknown reason, he quit. I don't know. My friend who told me this story, he, he didn't know either. Was he burned out? I don't know. Had he just become tired? Did he have a health and energy problem? Was he just sick and tired of the whole thing? I don't know. Had he become cynical? I, I, I don't know. Who knows? All I know, he just quit. And he went to work as vice president of sales for a large multinational Fortune 500 company. One day, a promising salesman was assigned to him. He was to show him the territory where this young salesman was supposed to serve. And so they spent a lot of time together. If, you, if you're in sales, you know what I mean. You spend a lot of time together if you're in management, if you're in sales. They, they rode together. They, they, they ate together. They, they spent uh, nights together in, in, the, in the same places. And, and, and the, his was the first face in the morning. They just spent a lot of time together. And by the way, the young salesman was a committed Christian. So about Thursday... They were riding along, and the young salesman said, Sir, 
may I ask you a personal question? And he said, well, certainly. He said, if you died right now, you know where we're going. If you died right now and you stood before God and he asked you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? That's a good question. It's a good question. Last week on television, Bloomberg, who's worth $46 billion, said that he was hoping he wouldn't have to negotiate. He, w- he just earned it. I've heard other people say, whatever, you know. If you died right now and you stood before God and he said, why should I allow you into my heaven what would you say? Well, the ex-pastor smiled at the exuberance of this young salesman. In fact, he reminded him a little bit of himself. And he began to relate to him the story of his past. He told how he had been called to preach. He told him about some of the churches where he had pastored and how he had risen to denominational prominence how he had pastored successfully over the years, how he he had been in some of the largest and most prestigious venues in, in the world. And then there was silence. And then the young salesman asked him a question for which he was not prepared. He said, tell me, tell me, sir, Do you ever miss it? And after a long silence, the older gentleman said, in olden days, when the armies would gather for war, on the day of the battle, the trumpets would sound calling the men to war. And with a tear in his eye, he said, yes, son, I miss the trumpets. In the morning. Do you ever miss the trumpet? Do you ever miss the fact that you've not heard the voice of God lately? The whole point of this story is not do you miss God? The whole point of this story is God misses you. And he's done everything in his power to come to you and bring you back. Was there ever a time in your life when you loved God more than you love him now? I'm not talking about the things of God. I'm not talking about the music. I'm not talking about the trappings of religion. I'm talking about God himself. You see, all of this, all of this is our mind. But all of him is our heart, is our soul, is our spirit. Now, Jesus is talking to some desperately lonely people. 
He's talking to some people that are separated from God. He's talking about some people who are not connected to the religious establishment. He's talking about the people that are nobodies in their society. He's, he's talking about the, the salesman in your company who re- really needs that job. And, and, and by the way, it's, 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 it's too early to quit, but it's too late to start over. He's talking about the secretary or the teacher down there that, that has to work that job because her husband left her for somebody else. He's talking about that middle manager that will never be on the regional staff, but he has to make a living. He's talking about that, those guys that are, are overweight and balding. And he's talking about that girl that will never be miss anything. He's talking about the senior citizen that goes to the mall and the salespeople don't even see you because they don't think you're worth anything. He's talking about the people who really got up this morning and you know tomorrow is Monday and you're not really looking forward to what you have to face, but you don't have a choice. All the choices have been taken away from you. These people were asking, what is God like? And Jesus said, you know what God's like? God's like a shepherd. Now they had seen shepherds. They had seen shepherds out in the wilderness. And Jesus told them the story about a shepherd that had lost one little sheep. That's all. Just one. And he didn't cut his losses. He went to great lengths and great trouble to find that sheep. And I want you to know something right now. You're no trouble to God. You might be trouble to your mama. You might be trouble to your daddy. You might be trouble to everybody else. But God not only loves you, God really, really likes you. And he has come to you today, not to participate in what you're doing, but to lift you up to a higher plane so that you can build your life on eternity and on something that will last. First thing I notice is a seeking God. Look at what the Bible says. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? God is in the searching business, search and rescue business. That, that's all he does on a, on a daily basis. And the host of heaven praise him for that because the host of heaven are people who have been found by God, just like you and me. So God is looking for you right now. I, I remember one day in a church where I was pastoring, I, I was doing a thing uh, where, where when people would, would visit and when people would uh, join the church, I, I did a little thing, I, I called it discipleship. And I would teach the people how to relate to God, how to have, I called it how to have a quiet time. And, and, and you'd come in on, on session one, or you could come in on two, or you could come in on three, or you could come in on four. It, it just really didn't matter. It was not a formal setting where you had to go one, two, three, four. It was about relating to God. And hopefully you would come in somewhere where you were in the station of, of, of your life. And then you would go maybe two, three, four, one. 
Well, one day I noticed this young man, a really nice looking young man, sitting up there by himself. And he took notes. Now, that, that really did amaze me. I mean, he just took note after note after note. And, and then when I would end uh, and say the prayer, he would be gone. He would show up after we started and he would leave before it was in. It finished. And, and I wouldn't see him again. I wouldn't see him all week. I, I didn't know his name. The people that were helping me, uh, he wouldn't give them their name. He just came and sort of monitored the class. You know what I'm talking about? He, he was curious about what we were talking about. And so later on, I was in a, in a venue, I was in a situation where I met him face to face. And I said, I'm glad to, glad to see you here. He, I, I said, I've I just been wanting to meet you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And he began to tell me, and he said, first of all, I want you to know that I'm a neurosurgeon at Carolina's Medical Center. And I thought, well, you, I'm obviously in a case study now, you know. So I couldn't say to him, well, this is not brain surgery. And I graduated from Harvard Medical School. And I'm down here. I've done my residency. And I'm practicing medicine at Carolina Medical. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? He said, uh, you've probably noticed I don't look like everybody else. He said, I was born in Thailand. But when I was very small, my parents brought me to America, and I grew up in Chicago. Well, you know, I, I could connect with the Thailand part, but the Chicago part, I didn't know why he put that in there. And we began to talk. He said, uh, since I've been down here, I've met so-and-so, and we've gotten married, and now we, we're expecting our first child. And my, my wife is a Christian. My parents were Buddhists, but Buddha never did anything for me, and I've never talked to him. And so if we had a religion, I guess we would call ourselves Buddhists, but I've never been to a Buddhist temple. I don't know Buddha. I've never been around him or anything, but my wife keeps talking to me about Jesus. And he said, she talks to me about it, about Jesus, like she, she knows him personally. He said, now you got to understand, I'm a neurosurgeon. Everything is black and white to me. I mean, you, you have everything just compartmentalized. You have to be super organized. But then she talks to me about this Jesus like somebody I've, that she knows personally. And so I have come here because I want to know as a father... As a doctor, as a surgeon who has people's lives, their brains literally in my hand, I want to know the way to find out Jesus. He said, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I'm lonely. 
And I'm surrounded by people, but I need somebody that I can relate to, that will relate to me. That's what Jesus is talking about right here. Oh, by the way, he did pray to receive Christ. He is serving the Lord today. And he is a Christian. And believe you me, I would rather have a praying neurosurgeon than a non-praying neurosurgeon, wouldn't you? That's what the Bible's talking about. God came and sought this man out. So Jesus says, God knows your fear. God knows your confusion. God knows your anger. He knows the hurt of your heart. And he has come to seek you out to reveal himself to you. God's not lost. You're the one that's lost. You've lost yourself. You've lost your way. But God's not holding that against you. So he's a seeking God. Secondly, I noticed he's a serving God. Look what Jesus said. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. There's no recriminations. There's no accusations. Nothing like that. What does he do? He meets the needs of the sheep. You see, the sheep was lost. Jesus uses that word lost. It means beyond help. It means hopeless. It means helpless. It's a, it's a tragic word. It's a violent word. It means utterly destroyed. It means beyond retrieval. It means when you get in a situation where nobody can touch you, nobody can reach you, that's what Jesus specializes in right now. Because he knew that if you're away from the shepherd, you're dead. If you're away from Jesus, you're dead. Now, I don't know exactly what happened to this sheep. Some say he was pushed out. I don't know. Some say he was pulled out. I don't know. I've seen people get pushed out of the church, get pushed out, 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 of, the, out of the practice of Christianity. But uh, by the way, let me tell you what, I don't know what your church stories are, but I can top them. And nobody's going to push me away from Jesus. Because once, once, once I discovered he had found me, uh, we latched on to each other. And my Bible says, I, he has me in his hand, in the Father's hands. And if I had a third hand, I'd put that other hand over there. He's got me right like that. And unless God opens his hand, he's not going to lose me. And let me tell you something. If you belong to Jesus... You won't get away from him. He will search until you find out that he's there. I know on a personal basis, as a young officer in the United States Navy, I went so far away from God that if I had taken another step, I'd have been closer than I was before. Because the world's round. I'd gotten away from church. I'd gotten away from God. I'd gotten away from my home. And God came to me in the middle of the night in a desperate situation where I had escaped death by about that much. And he said, what are you doing here? And that's what God's asking you today. I don't know if he's saying, what are you doing here? I don't know if he said, what are you doing here? I don't know if he said, what are you doing here? 
I don't know if he says, what are you doing here? I don't know if he said, what are you doing here? All I know is God said, what are you doing here? Because let me tell you something. I got you out of that mess. But unless you get it right, I'm going to put you back into the mess. You see, God does not want to change your pain. God wants to change your environment. He wants to change how you perceive life. He wants to change you so that you will not be like you were and will not be like you've been. Because if you're like that and continue to live your life, when you stand before God and he says, why should I allow you into my heaven? You'll have nothing to say. Now, I remember a few years ago, I was down in Ecuador and I was preaching in a, and it's called Inya Quito Church. It's a large church there in the middle of Quito that they have about 10 parking spaces. Everybody either walks or rides a bus into the church. And you say, well, what kind of church is that anyway? The nursery is that the mothers bring the children in and set them on their laps. And so when you're preaching, it's, it's just wild. And, and that day that I was preaching, you had, a, you had one service on Friday night, you had two services on Saturday night, and you had four services on Sunday morning. And it was a church that seated about 1,200 people, and it was packed all seven times. And by the way, on top of that, they had big doors with steps coming into the church, and there were people sitting on the steps, and there were people standing outside listening because they couldn't get in. I don't know how many we were preaching to that day, but I was preaching, and I was preaching on this subject. And I talked about that shepherd and I said, this shepherd, and they knew what I was talking about because they, they, they were people that lived in, in a rural society. And I said, this shepherd, he, he, he brought his sheep in from the fields and he brought them in what we would call the corral or the barn. It, it was a fold where they would be safe for the night. And he brought them in and he counted all of them. He made them accountable and he counted them one, two. I don't have time to count to a hundred. I can do it, but I don't have time to do that. I'll just skip over it. And he said, 97, 98, 99. And by the way, I had an interpreter, so every time I said something, the interpreter would have to say it. 98, 99, 99. Oh, I must have made a mistake. And so we counted again, 97, 98, 99. And that shepherd said, oh, no. He knew his sheep by name. He said, that one's, he's gone again. He's giving me trouble again. And so here he goes. He, he puts his coat back on. His wife says, where are you going? He says, I got to go out. Well, why you got to go out? Well, oh, and what, whatever your name is, that's what we'll call the sheep today. Yeah, he's out there wandering around, and she says, it's not worth it. He's been nothing but problems to you. He's always causing trouble to you. He's always messing everything up for you. You know, you can't go out there. It's dark. It's cold. There, there's wild animals. You, you're going to lose your life over this dumb sheep. I'm sure Gabriel said that to Jesus when he took off his robes and came to earth. They're not worth it. Don't do this. They'll spit on you. They'll kill you. They'll destroy you because these people hate 
God because they hate each other because they hate themselves. He said, now I got to go. So he goes up and he starts yelling. The wind's blowing. Wolves are howling. That's the way it is at night over there. And he he begins to yell. And he finally hears that little bleeding of that sheep. And he he goes up and he he finds him. He follows the sound. And and I'm I'm standing there on a stage about like this. And I'm reaching down and I say, come on, come on. He can't quite get to him. And he gets a little closer and gets right on the precipice. And he says, come on. You see that little sheep's going to have to come a little bit. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And about that time, in the second service on Sunday morning, a, a four-year-old girl who did not speak English but understood, come on, jumped up into my arms off of her mother's lap into my arms. And when she did that, she, she propelled me back, and I just took her, and I, I just raised her up like this. And I said, come home, come home, come home. The place went nuts. People started running down the aisle. They didn't know what to do. They didn't have enough counselors. They didn't have enough anybody. And and when that service was over, those people went out and and got on their cell phones and called all their friends who came into the third service, who came into the fourth service. And people, we had thousands saved that day simply because a little girl heard the invitation of Jesus and didn't know you weren't supposed to do that on Sunday morning. That's what Jesus is saying to you today. Jesus says, we don't come to God as an adult. We come to God as a little child. And so I want you to notice that he's a successful God. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to him, rejoice with me. By the way, that's what we're going to do when we get to heaven. Why? For I have found my sheep, which was lost. I have a guy in my church where I'm pastoring now. His name's Trey Howe. You'll never know Trey, but I guarantee you've seen his workmanship a thousand times. He owns one of these satellite trucks. And when anything goes on like the Charleston shooting, he's down there with Anderson Cooper and CNN beaming that beam up to the satellite so you can see what's happening in Charleston, South Carolina. Same thing happened in Orlando. He was down there. But his favorite person and the person that he works for probably about about 30 or 40% of the time is, is the Weather Channel, and he has been assigned to Jim Cantore. Have you ever seen that guy? I mean, he's standing out there, and the wind's blowing, and he says, yeah, it's coming. In. Well, the guy right up here that you don't see is Trey Howe. And he, he said, you know, we, we, we get into situations, but, but, but Jim always makes sure that we're safe because he's a good planner. He said, we went down to Cedar Key, Florida. This has been about two years ago. And he said that the, the hurricane was coming in. And it's going to hit right on top of us. And when we got down there, Jim said, park your truck right here. So I parked my truck right there. He said, run your fiber optics over there. We're going to set up all the stuff over there. And so there was a hotel over there. And I had been there for who knows how long. 
And they went up and they ran all their fiber optics over there. And so they set up shop. Trey said, I started my generator and I watched the hurricane come in. He said, first of all, it came, the storm surge came across the beach. He said, then it came around the island. And then it came up the road. And then I could see it coming up toward my truck, toward my truck, toward my truck, toward the hotel, toward the hotel. And then it went down. And so he said, I asked Jim Cantori, how'd that happen? He said, well, it's good planning. He said, I came in and I looked and I found out that the spot where your truck was, was 27 feet above sea level. I found out the second floor of that hotel was 31 feet above sea level. But I found out that the storm surge was going to be 22 feet above sea level. He said, remember, Trey, when you're in a storm, you always have to get higher than the storm. Right now, some of you are treading water. Right now, some of you are about to drown because you've built your house, you've built your life down on the beach. And you're in a storm. Don't you ever, ever forget that. There's a storm coming if you're not already in it in your life. And if you don't build it higher, build it higher, you're going to die. You're going to be lost, and you're going to be lost forever because this is a storm. And if you can't survive in this, how are you going to survive when you die? And Jesus comes, and it's no accident. He stands up, and he puts you on his shoulders, and he lifts you up above the storm. Will you pray with me? We're going to have a gospel invitation here in just a moment. Your pastor's going to tell you about a room where you can go. You can talk to somebody about salvation. You can talk to somebody about maybe becoming a part of this fellowship. But right now, maybe it's time for you to just talk to God. You say, well, I, I don't know what to tell him. Well, say, God... Help me. I don't know that I can say that. Well, then why don't you say, God, help. You say, well, I don't know if I can say that. Well, just say, God. You don't have to say it out loud. It's just between you and God. God, God, help me. As you just continue to listen, to speak to God in the quietness of your heart and mind, what is it that he may be saying to you?
And what is it that you need to say to him? Perhaps with that childlike faith today, you need to reach up to find the one who's been reaching for you all along in Jesus Christ. Today may be that divine appointment for you to come home, to come home to a Savior, to come home to life, meaning, forgiveness, purpose. Today may be the day for you to say, I'm going to stop running my own life my own way, and I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn and place my faith and trust not in my good behavior or my moral resolutions, but I'm going to trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Let today be the day you cry out, God, save me. God, help me. And he'll take you in his arms like that loving shepherd. He'll cover your past with his shed blood. He'll guide and empower your present. He'll secure your future for him and with him in all eternity as you just cry out to him. We want to help you as you take that step. And the physical space that we've set aside to do that is our connect room in the very back of our worship center. There's a banner that says connect, very easy to find. If you're not sure where to go, there's folks who will be glad to point you that way. We have a team of folks that is at the ready right now. They're ready to pray with you, to maybe answer some questions you have about what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you realize, you know, I've never gone public with my faith in the way Jesus modeled and commanded through the waters of baptism. And that's your next step. Jesus said to acknowledge him before men and he'll acknowledge you before the Father who is in heaven. And the way we acknowledge him is through the waters of baptism. The Connect Room is a place for you to be. We can help you take that step. Maybe God's leading you to this fellowship to to be a part of what God's doing here, to invest your life for Him and His kingdom. And and that Connect Room can help you as you take that step. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you about something, and our, our team would be honored to be able to do that today. If you still have a Connect card, you didn't put it in the basket as it came by, please, just to mark uh, maybe a next step or how we can pray with you, put it in one of those uh, receiving baskets there as you exit there, those wire uh, containers on on the wall, and we would be delighted to follow up with you in that. I just want to pray with you, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to close our time of worship. So grateful for Dr. Brown being with us and breaking open God's Word, and I know he's spoken to us all. And so let me pray over us here as we just continue our response to God. Father, thank you for what you're doing in lives right here, right now. Thank you, Father, for those that are hearing your call to them. And Father, I, I pray, I pray that you would, in these moments, would just not let the enemy discourage or distract or, or dissuade. Father, I pray that there will be some folks that right now will begin making their way to that connect room, even as we will stand in just a moment, that they, their next steps will be there to take their next step to you. Father, thank you for what you're doing in lives. Lord, I, I pray even as we scatter from this place today. That we would be those who take the gospel with us, even as, as, as Joe talked about that, that young, young salesman who, who shared a question 
Uh, planted a seed, water a seed. Maybe we get to be there at harvest time. Father, lay someone on our heart this week, someone that needs to know of a Savior, someone that you're seeking, and you want to use us as part of that search and rescue team. God, here we are. Send us. Send us out this week. Father, thank you for calling us. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for what you're continuing to do in our lives. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise. I'm going to ask you to stand with us right now if you would.